0: They say can't be done.
1: We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm
0: these founders, but no bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal. Some never mind your brakes.
2: Let it all hang out because we got a lot of people. I Guy, your Road Dog host. Standing by, my brother from another mother, it's J Man the Snarl. And of course, we have Motorhead Mark joining us, along with Lady Tucker Janet and her son, Wild Man Will. And here we are on visit number 29, and the weather is playing havoc with. Everybody in every area. I'm sitting here in High River, Alberta, Canada, and it's crazy. I've got snow since three o'clock this afternoon, and this morning we had nice sunshine. How about you, Mark? Where's your weather? What's the situation there? I'm in uh, Alberta, Columbia Vancouver Island. Today it started out a, a little cloudy, then the sun came out for a few hours, then it started to rain, then we got. Slushy, kind of wet rain. Then we got hail, and it snowed for just a moment, and then the sun came back out. Wow! So Mother Nature's on crack in your area. Um, how about you, Jay? I uh, I've got the air conditioner on. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I, I, I the, I thought in the freezer but her dog's happy. Oh, there you go. That's like that for girl. So, and, and well, you're on the other side of Calgary today, so obviously you must be experiencing the same type of weather, I think. Yeah, or you see rain, snow, you name it, we you seen it today. Yeah, it's, it's, it's somewhat kind of uh, messed up, and it's, it's, it's just kind of weird here yesterday. I noticed I went to like a neighborhood that was... Fifteen minutes away, and it was just like rain and snow, and then I come back into our neighborhood, and it's nice and shit. So the sun shines and everything. It's crazy. I don't. I don't remember any type of weather like this in April uh, in Alberta uh, of this length of time. And um, I don't know. I guess maybe we'll see uh, spring in May. Uh, 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 I don't I, uh, this is normal. This is normal Yeah. Oh. Okay, or, or or the old adage, wait five minutes. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's right, that's right. So, yeah, for uh, for Mark, probably wait ten minutes. Yeah, or at wait ten minutes. There, there you go, there you go. So we got lots of things tonight. Um, we are actually featuring Darby Mills. Uh, the first part one of the interview that I did with her on uh, Guy's One on One Bandwagon, and. A little bit of a change, we're going to feature at least three to four songs of hers uh, from the past and the present from the Darby Mills Project. So I'm really, really looking forward to uh, to that interview tonight as well. As far as my topics go, I'm going to do a movie review. Uh, you okay. heard my last one, and uh, well, mine are kind of uh, very different than original. And uh, not telling my own horn, but we're going to be doing Elvis. With uh, the new movie Elvis that had Oscar uh, Butler as Elvis. And I'm also going to be talking about the ongoing urban legendness of the United States, just to creep you guys out. What do you got on tap, Mark? Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, logging on Vancouver Island, and unfortunately, um, our favorite prime minister has cut back into the news with different stuff, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Don't you just love how he buries herself and mean, he comes out smelling like a rose? Uh, I don't think he's going to come out smelling like a rose by the end of this. I think there's enough going on right now, but some, uh, some stuff's going to start crawling on the road. I hope so. I really do. Four more years of that guy. Uh, I don't know. We will not have a country. country. Exactly. Yeah. Well, don't nobody don't nobody have a country. Said, Our country's destroyed already. Canada is broken. That's, that's, that's how it was said. Um, hey, man, what do you got on our cap? I am going to talk about the really bizarre thing about liability and two laws that started that completely screw every truck driver that runs in California and New York, and it all started with OJ oh, systems Okay. okay, yep, I'm no. in the wrong... No no yep. kidding. Well, after that, and I am also going to talk about my favorite person. Uh, I'm not going to give say name, but he was instrumental in starting The Legend of the Gunfighter. Okay, call. Okay, what's on your mind there, Will? What are you going to let the freaks out there uh, no. uh, know? Uh, well, the truth behind, uh some of this uh, religious stuff such as, you know, Dalai Lama and, you know, the Pope and whatever. And uh, there's also, you know, um, uh, something that Chido has, you know, uh, got together and brought out uh, called C11, which has to do with oh. internet censorship. So, you know, those are uh, two main topics. Okay. And of course, from that controversy of that video, we are going to now refer to this guy, because I don't even put him on a pedestal of any sort, the Dolly Lamer, okay? That's what we're going to call him. Uh, Janet, a very you, you can voice hear your feedback when we get to that. Okay, so settle down there, Bosley. Okay, so, um, Janet, what what do you got on your mind? Bosley? Just came to me. Okay, so my topics are fibroblastia, and the second topic is uh, health risks that truckers should know about. Oh, okay. yeah and what they can do to kind of help ourselves if they're having healthy. All right. Okay. And what we're, we're also going to do is we're going to break uh, three times throughout the podcast, maybe four, and in those times that we break, instead of putting our usual uh, commercials, that's all we're going to have our Darby Mills songs that we're going to, uh, to play as well. Okay, so let's start with, oh, I don't know, I get to pick one. So let's go to Will, the Dolly Lama. A lot of people are now finding out about uh, the video that, that that got released where, you know, uh, the Dalai Lama is literally uh, asking a kid to suck his tongue. And if you do, uh, if you do the research on this, You'll, you'll begin to realize that um, he admitted uh, way back in 2018 to knowing about uh, the sex abuse of Buddhist teachers since 1990. So um, the Dalai Lama isn't like alone on, on, uh, in this area. In fact, there's plenty of others to um, yet get exposed. And uh, ironically... Um, the 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 ones doing this seem to have uh, that quote unquote unique type of power. Um, when you when you think about this uh, and put it into a broader perspective, um, it goes into you know uh, going into another subject of uh, Jeffrey Epstein and you, you know all, all that other stuff. Uh, there there is. You know, since this has come out, there's actually videos of you know, like there's actual documentaries done now of kids who have um, kind of got sales by uh, the CFS system, and and they they literally uh, when 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 they don't want. Uh, to or when their families don't want them, they literally auction auction them off. They they walk up and down, you know, these these aisles and stuff. And I mean, there's going to be shown on on, on YouTube. You, you just got to search for it. But this this just um, brings up an issue that has been you know accumulating over over the centuries. Uh, uh, yeah, no, uh, not centuries, decades. Sorry, um, and. Yeah, well, put up on with centuries too. But right now, uh, everything is about to get exposed. It, it, it's funny how it, it went from you know uh, people say, "Oh, this doesn't exist," to you know Harvey Weinstein getting taken down, and now the Dalai Lama. Like, like this, this, this should this should disturb people because. Uh, never. Well, I can't say never, but you you don't find many videos out there of, of a Dalai Lama or a pope going up to a kid saying, "Hey, suck this or or touch this, or touch that," right? So yeah, it it, 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 it they're getting pretty uh, ballsy at, at this point because it's it, it's literally on public display for everyone to see now, and you know people are are starting to wake up for their unquote woke. Uh, but it, it, this, it, it, this issue need, it needs to be fixed and, and addressed. This isn't just one Buddhist. This has literally been happening uh, for decades. Like it, 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 this is this is absolutely disgusting, and, and, and they're the ones you are saying, "I all we 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 love children." And so, yeah, I see why you love children now, bud. Yeah. So I want to I want to ask you yeah. only really bizarre. So Really, just I want to ask the panel all about this. Go, Go ahead, Jesus. Okay. I grew up. Uh, my mother used to read these books, and what they were, what they were of the—they were the diaries that were published of the Dalai Lama. the the Dalai Lama we have today? Now, he predicted the chaos we are seeing today. Um and I never paid much attention to it, you know, when I was growing up. I always kinda of thought that if, you know, yeah, another fad, yeah, go ahead,
1: I'll, go ahead. Um, but now I'm understanding more and I always had a great respect for for patrolling
2: off. I really did. Um, this was a blow to me. Um it's just uh inexcusable. What's your uh, thoughts on that, Mark? I remember when I was a kid, we got taught a little bit about the Dalai when we were in school. Uh, and he was this great, peaceful, knowledgeable guy. Uh, was all about uh, what do you want to call it? He was all about how to, how to come up with ideas or ways for people to get along. And uh, he, he started bringing meditation to a different level with people. In the, in the Western world. And then I heard this stuff, and, and quite honestly, Brian, I didn't know about it until you told me today. So I looked it up a little bit, and I, I was sick. Yeah. Yeah. like, this, this is not peaceful. This is not. I mean, I don't care what he says. The rest of the world is looking at him, and now they've got a microscope on it because what, it's, it's, it's beyond comprehension for me. When it comes to children, and I mean children and to me a child is anybody under the age of what they consider being an adult. That's a child. Anybody. And if somebody came after my fourteen year old boy or fourteen year old daughter or fifteen year old, they're still my they, kids. You know, that 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 just I don't care what you say. You want some some child to do that, uh, like you've got a problem. There's something going on in your head that just isn't normal, it isn't right, and I'm sorry, I cannot ever agree with it. Yeah. So, I agree 100%. I'm blown away by this. Like I, 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 it's really hitting me hard have Because I grew up with this shit, right?
1: right. And I, I even seen him in
2: Vancouver. How would you get it uh, from a woman's perspective? Well, I mean, ironically, I it, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I know Will and I have had talks at great lengths about this kind of stuff, and I mean, look at the Catholic Church, look at, you know, when you when you look at the Bible, and it's telling you, you know, about uh, how they're, you know, they're looking for young girls, and they're marrying young women, and uh, this kind of stuff doesn't surprise me, at least. It's All right. Sickening. It's sickening, but it's not surprising. Well, I, I can tell you, it takes a lot to offend me. I almost threw up when I saw that video. I, I just whoa, that was that was really, 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 really shocking for me. Uh, and of course, well, you have the topic. So, what's your final word on on the Dolly Lima and what should be done? Well, I feel like. Now, I'm, I, everyone has their own opinions. I'm just touching touch on my own opinions. And in my own opinion, um, this isn't just, uh, you know, segregated to, um, you know, a and, and whatever. This is literally all over the churches, and it's all over the churches for a reason. Whether any, everyone wants to accept it or not, uh, reli- uh, religions control people. And in, in religion, okay, it's that it, it's, it's, it's men and women have to be married. Now, um, I'm not saying everyone in, 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 in the religion is like this, however, um, a lot of them think like, okay, well, you know, if, 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 if I have to wait till um, I'm married to have sex with somebody, uh, for it not to be a sin, we're um, just going to go after little kids. It, 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 everything has a different version, and I, I truly believe that um, the religion itself isn't, isn't at fault. But uh, however, I, I do believe some of the rules involved have a lot to do with this stuff. And and to further that theory, uh, all you all you have to do is look at the pastors and, and, and the priests and the popes that have been taken down for sexual acts. In fact, there's there's a church up by me. Um, it's literally ten minutes away. They uh they they brought this pastor down from I I, I think it was like a foreign country or whatever, and he was but he was literally fucked this for. Um, sexually assaulting numerous amounts of kids, and over over a ten year period, right? So like, it, 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 it's almost like they have this. They think they have a special power, and and this is why I I don't group everybody into this that uh, that's in that religion because um like like to me from from, from my perspective, uh, I I see it being these these high up people that are. You, you know, doing their own thing and, you know, they're kind of putting a blinder on everyone else's uh, uh, eyes, right? Like, it's it just, um, uh, this personally doesn't really surprise me because like, of, of, of the research I, I've done regarding the pulp way back in the day and all this other stuff. Uh, but when you when you Google up, and I'll, I'll tell you this right now, if you Google up Dalai Lama uh, sexual assault charges, you'll find this stemming all the way back from uh even before nineteen ninety you know it its it just like um it, 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 its existed it just hasn't been published uh, until well really now right okay so uh, i don't wanna i want, i wanna get off that topic for sure um uh, I'm glad you guys all had uh, your feedback on that, and um let's just move on because uh we, we don't really wanna carry on with that so, yeah so. Um, yeah, no, okay. That's, That's all you know, all anybody needs need to know. Okay. Yeah. So, Mark, you got something to talk about for logging, and, uh, we all know that logging in VCs is definitely, well, it doesn't seem like it exists anymore, maybe you yeah. can yeah. clarify that. Well, um, I, as a young child, movie. I grew up in, uh, in, spending a lot of time up at Cowichan Lake on Vancouver Island. And about 1973, we were camping uh, at the lake, and a log now. And what, they, what we call now fat trucks, were just called off-road logging trucks back then, and they had 16-foot bumps, and they were bringing down some of the biggest trees you've ever seen. to the lake, pulled off the trucks, and put in the lake into the water, and sent off to all the different mills on Vancouver Island. Yes, as time has gone by, we've lost most of our mills, which is really disappointing. But as the next logging truck driver myself, I have been, unfortunately, privy to watching our logs hit the water, get pulled out, put on a freighter, and sent to China. They do all the milling in China, and then we buy the one back in different products, whether it's 2x4s, plywood, whatever the heck it is, and we're spending, they say it's saving us money. Well, it took an industry and changed people's lives forever. Oh, yes. changed That was, I had cousins that worked at Big Wild in this funnel. I had uh, my fire chief, his, his father and him used to work at a mill in the news. And this was livelihood. We made some of the best products on the planet with the best wood ever seen on the planet. And now we send all our wood off or we use it for and paper. Now, a lot of people are against logging, and I, and I get it. A lot of people, some people call them tree hunters, whatever you want to call them. A lot of people are against it. I am not against it, and the reason why is no matter how you look at it, there are there are, uh, things set forth in the government that promote grow, growth in the forest. You cut down one tree, you plant three, and that's just the law. It has been for a while. So, there's a logging truck driver. I I was okay going onto the bush putting a little logs in my truck and bringing it down to the log sort. And I'm not okay with it sent being sent off to China. I never have been okay with it. I don't approve. I don't appreciate it. I don't understand it. But I do get that we need paper. We need products that come from wood, and it's a renewable resource. That you, you know, you cut out a patch of trees twenty years ago, you've replanted that area with. Three times the amount that you cut down, you're going to be able to go in there in 20 years. So, like say back in 2003, they kind of passed an area down, and now you I have mean, gone back in 20 years later, and it's not all the growth. There they're not taking down trees that are protected. Um, there are stands of hemlock, there are stands of spruce, there are stands of cedar on this island that are protected and will be protected forever. Because they're old growth. They were never touched in the beginning, and they're not going to be touched now. Sometimes they'll go in and cut down a little bit of an area for safety, like in Cathedral Grove on the way up to, to Port Alberni. A lot of the stuff up on the cliffs was getting dangerous and oil warm overs, yeah. trees, and you know, what they call wheel makers. And all you need is somebody to be walking through a Cathedral Grove with a branch like that's holding up a 14 uh, foot wide tree, and it comes down and kills somebody. You don't want that. I don't want it. Nobody wants it. So I, I still stand by the fact that we need logging in this world. We have a
1: necessity for, at this point in time, we still have a necessity for paper products. You, you, you can't order a roll of paper that most often didn't come from a tree in some capacity. You can't open up a, a newspaper that doesn't have some kind of tree product in it. And, and because the government has
2: such strict rules about logging, I think that as long as they stick with the rules, I think it is a resource that we can still manage. We can stay within parameters. We can. I mean, for quite a while uh, you cut down a tree and you plant three. Three are going to provide way more oxygen in the world than one tree does. Um, uh, I just, I think, that, yes, Brian, as you say, Vancouver Island and British Columbia logging is still going strong. It has changed a little bit, but I see trucks every single day here on they Island. And just as many trucks as I saw 10 years ago. And there are new companies, and uh, they call them uh, Jim logging Outfits. The Jim logging Outfits, there are, there are new ones starting quite often right now. Um, I'm not going to mention names, but there's a friend of a friend who just started a company two years ago, and he's gone from three trucks to six trucks, and I think now he's got nine. And another fellow last year started with one truck and now he's got six. So it's, it's still a viable source of, uh, of of income. It's still a viable source of uh, product procedure. And except for the fact that we send our wood away, to uh, get processed, which I, I'll never agree with. I think we should keep our money here. I don't, I, I'm not trying to say we need to be separate from anybody, but it's an opportunity for people to want to trade work here in British Columbia and, and produce a product like we used to produce. And it, it's unfortunate that we don't have that anymore. I'm a trucker. I've been a bit trucker since 1987. I've logged for quite a few years up in the Los uh, Angeles Valley. I've logged up in the Port Alberti Valley up to Banfield. And I saw some of the most amazing country in the world. And I saw no clear cutting. Here's Pat. Cut that patch down. That's all you have to touch. We would cut that down, we would, we would pull those logs out and then the tree planters would come in and they would plant and plant and plant and plant. So I know for a fact I've have 1st hand knowledge and first hand experience seeing how this industry is still viable and it still protects our forests in ways that most people don't get to see. And uh, I, I, I I have a passion about it. I still have. Mm-hmm. I, I would go back logging tomorrow if it's the right opportunity came. I really would. can yeah, Okay, can I be civil? I got for advocate a second. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. I even though you know I used to believe in logging. Um. I. I. The, right. Right now, it doesn't really seem feasible moving forward in the future. Um. As. You know, there, there are, um, and, and w- w- when I speak of hemp, I don't mean like, you see cannabis, I mean actually, he- actual hemp. And, you know, not only does hemp grow faster, produce more fiber, but you need less water, you, you don't need chemicals. Um, the, the fiber yield on a hemp plant is far larger than any other agricultural, uh, agricultural co- crop in the world right now. And it has more uses. Not, not not only does it have more uses, but hemp, when it's it, when it's in the ground, actually cleans one ton of pollution per plant per year, which trees cannot do. Yes, trees clean the pollution, pollution from, from the oil. top, but they also clean from the uh, uh, the hemp also cleans from the bottom as well. problem, oil. What's that? Unlike a tree, and this is a fact. You can look it up. Once hemp grows over 6 inches diameter, diameter, there's money cost. You cannot use it for longer. Yeah, but, point I nine. mean, that's why there's, there's different crops, right? There's, there's a lot of different... It, it's, there's, there's, it's, there's lot I, I, I agree. I I agree with what you're saying. Um, I prefer... I used to use hemp Um, it's fabulous. We used to make our money out of hemp. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. But unfortunately, you cannot it's make a 2 by 12 You cannot, cannot a, make a 2 by 12 out of hemp. It can't. It, it, uh, well, I, I, I would think to do it is for it. Not only is it stronger, but it, it, it's more durable as well. Once it starts growing to a certain diameter in Honeycomb, it goes porous. Yeah, well, I mean that's, you know, that's yeah. That's why you have different crops, right? You have different crops. But here's here's something, here's something really cool, and I think that I think Mark probably has heard of this, and it's actually it's like making a comeback. Horse logging. That's, that's how, how it all started, and you're right. It is. Yeah, we got seven companies in the Okanagan that are horse logging. And I think that is awesome because they're getting into areas that have been neglected and they're taking out, like you, you call widow They're taking yeah. that crap okay, out. If I could just interject for a minute, guys, I think what Mark is trying to get at is we're selling our Canadian resources right, to the Chinese, Chinese. okay, oh, yeah, as has a good example. Okay, and it's sad because then we go buy the stuff back, and and logging. There's two things you we know, we used to think of: BC. logging and fishing. Okay. My wife, she worked oh, in the cannery, and I do I mean, okay. a degree. Yes, okay, but I mean, my wife worked in the cannery, and I saw things in the beginning of our relationship, and like just a uh, complete deterioration of the cannery. Uh, now. Uh, I mean, they, they left it to the indigenous community to really kind, kind of push it away in, in BC. Same so with the logging. I mean, it does not make sense to send our Canadian resource logs to China. Bottom line is we are selling out and it's based upon the government that we now have. I agree. Well, why my might yep. is we have the ability and the technology uh, we could be using hemp for something. We could be using water for, for other things. And, and actually, why are we giving it away? Why, why, why are we giving it away? Okay, here, 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 here's another question. Why are we using wood? Wh- wh- why are we so far back in ages that we're using wood to build houses when, when we can literally, there, there's a stuff called hempcrete. Um, I'm sure most of you have heard of it. It, it, it literally puts uh, your house, if your house is made of hempcrete, you can literally get rebates from the government because it puts out a negative carbon footprint. Yeah. I've, I've actually read about that. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, it, it kind of confuses me because it takes so long to grow trees, but it, like, hemp plants come up like no tomorrow. I don't know. I'd, I'd much rather yeah. have a house made of wood than, than uh, a plant. <laughs> well, so
1: you want to hear some something house? really cool? It this happened back in the 80s. And this is the problem with Canada. Okay, a guy invented a wall that was—he built a house out of this corner, and you didn't have to have a furnace, you didn't
2: have to have an air conditioner. The house maintained sixty-eight degrees all year long, regardless of the temperature here—minus forty or plus forty. Guess what it was made of? <laughs> yeah, a uh... press. Hey, Canada screwed around
1: so long. Um, he went to the state,
2: became a multi billionaire, and they're building these houses in Arizona <laughs> at a pay. Interesting. That's that's, that's pretty interesting. That's the problem with Canada. <laughs> they skin on the rap, they arm and awe, they gotta think about it for a decade, and they gotta make sure that everybody's walk up their line and then they'll make a decision. The American, they'll buy it and run with it. That's why America is, is biggest it is. They have three hundred and eighty million people, we have thirty. Makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. That's very yeah, true. Yeah. Well I, know I know my last little bit on this. My, my last bit on this and, and it's just a quick response to what Will was saying. Um I, I agree with you Will that he'll has a place. And it has a, I think it needs to be a bigger uh, place than what it is right now. But I also agree with Jay that you, know, you can't build a two by ten, you can't build a four by four with him. And there are it. slots right? or purposes for it. And I, I think there is room for both. And I think that we, I, I think that if we could get together on a few ideas and. You could cut back logging a little bit, you could produce more hemp, um, but again, you need the space to grow the hemp, and land is getting fewer and fewer acres available to do things like that. So they need to work together, and I think if they did have yeah. the logging industry and the, the, the uh, agricultural industry got together and came up with a plan, I think that you could put both of these ideas in play and have a much, much broader choice uh, to to put our products together. That's all I got to say. Mark, you know what I think is the biggest problem Uh, is, too much government, not enough businessmen. It's been that for a long time. Yes. Yeah, well, um, and now, and now, now that like, like I, 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 agree to an extent, um, for sure. Um, but I like um for the people who who haven't heard of hempcrete, I, I would, I would, I would highly suggest going to research it because not only is it stronger and more durable than than regular concrete, but it actually, you know, you get rebase back on your house for it. Um, yes, it is true that you probably can't create logs unless it's through like hempcrete, but um, right now, there's actually companies who have caught on to this and are 3D printing houses right now, with the have created itself, right? Because it's able to lay down so well. But yeah, I, um, uh, you know, and and we're probably gonna get some, some people, uh, some. I, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not gonna call them names or anything, but uh, for for lack of better term, there there are people who are against uh, deforestation and. Uh, a little bit of fact here is if, if, you, if you do the math and you take an equivalent of how much forestry there is in the world and like so for trees, uh, for example, um, and, and you research how many tons of carbon they, they clean every single year, you would, you would realize that even after all the cars, all the big trucks, all that pollution is in the air, we're still in a negative footprint. So this this anti deforestation thing, I don't believe in. That I like, I'm 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 not anti deforestation because I, I I do believe uh, deforestation has its place, especially when trees are too old and you have to prevent fires and stuff. People don't understand the true aspect of this. They they just you know um, believe what they see on TV and um yeah uh for uh, especially for the really old trees and stuff like yeah i i agree it, it should be taken down and i mean well, well, let's face it uh campfires i mean yeah hemp could come in and you know uh i mean it, it's even replaced stuff by 50 percent. but at the end of the day um you know the people who enjoy sitting by the campfire and stuff they're still going to want to burn wood and not hemp right yeah, yeah, I can understand, understand that. The, the crackle of a camp, campfire. <laughs> I can imagine that. <laughs> okay. Soft and stay close to oil. BC bans <laughs> in the 80s. BC, stop, forest maintenance. In the, in the 90s, they banned free range cattle herding. Look at the Okanagan now. It's on fire every year. Yeah. yeah. All because of lack of meat. Ranchers, ranchers are no, ranchers used to be allowed to let their cattle go. We never had brush fires. For the last ten years we've had raging. all well, I had I, I was evacuated from my goddamn house. Uh-huh. And what's behind me? It's a hundred percent government. Yeah. Okay, I agree. Okay, so let's see. Well, yeah, you, you can debate after we hear this, uh, this great, great song. Um, back in 1982, the head Pins, largely run by Canadian's iconic vocalist, uh, Darby Mills and the late Brian cloud released really Turn It Loud. And the big song that came out of that album was Don't It Make You Feel. Everybody knows this one. If you watch the MTV, you'll remember Darby as, you know, the, the sexy... Uh, 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 Waitress with the cook. Uh, Waitress, yeah, 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 okay. That's for over a million copies, guys. And tonight, we are going to play Do I Make You Feel? Right here. just a great song. It really is. And uh, coming up later on on this podcast, you're going to hear Barbie Mills' interview with Bright Guy, one-on-one bandwagon, talking about her life and um, where he is now with the Darby Mills Project. So stay tuned for that, guys. Well, I watched the movie on my days off, and Rarely do I watch a movie that really grabs me. I mean, we watched a lot of funny stuff uh, throughout the week. We actually finished we actually watching a lot of weird stuff, but once I got into this movie, um, it was just wow. Like I was just so blown away. Um, I'd heard about it so often. Uh, I'd heard about Austin Butler playing Elvis, and everybody said, ah, can he pull it off? Not only did the kid pull it off, he really reincarnated Elvis before our eyes. Uh, so this is uh, the, the, my movie review on Elvis, I call it all shook up with lots of detail. So the way that Austin Butler captured Elvis was truly, remarkable, emotional and captivating at times. Pure respect for this budding, humble Hollywood star, and he is humble, if you've seen him on any talk shows, that kid is, he's, he's on the right path. So. He took an iconic role and he nailed it. He nailed it to the You know, Nothing But a Hound Dog Wall. Not like Kurt Russell, King, who actually didn't resemble the King. Plus, newsflash, he let's take this whole film. He didn't know that. But, Austin, I can't build that. I can't build that. Austin actually sang like Presley, throughout the whole movie, with his mannerisms, those swing, hips, the attitude, I mean, Butler, we, we created it right before your eyes when you watch the movie. Now, apparently... He actually watched hundreds, hundreds of hours of Elvis Presley movies and videos to capture the the guy's essence. And that is the make of a true Elvis impersonator to an absolute key. Tom Hanks, as the lecherous, non feeling carnival Barker salesman, sleazeball Colonel Tom Parker, yes, I said it, was nothing short of statendous. Olivia DeYoung, playing an innocent Priscilla in the beginning of the relationship, was definitely best supporting actress material. overall look of the film, periods and politics of the 1930s to the 1970s are all there in full color, including all those Elvis costumes, and Butler, he wears them extremely well. Okay. I loved how they traced his roots as a poor white boy, forced to live with his white family in a black neighborhood in Tupelo, Mississippi. Spoiler, he finds his calling at a black member's church where he gets the spirit, along with the road-down miles and lights where he watches those African American folk strut their stuff, following the swagger and dress styles of those specific Negro performers. Actually, Presley's outfits were actually inspired by BB King, and um, uh, I didn't even notice. BB King and Elvis Presley were friends. They weren't friends cats, but they were. They uh, friends. I did, I did. I did know that. I did know that. They, they were recording records together. Correct. Picking up on the ever so fake Colonel Tom Parker, by the way, that was never his name. Liking his chops at the possibilities ahead of him once his performance nearing makes him an overnight singing sensation. From that moment on, we get to witness the usual rise of seeing how Elvis conquers the world of music and to some degree in film in that era. Buying his mama Gladys for home clothes and oh yes, that big Cadillac, played by the uh, amazing actress Helen Thompson. You get to see the relationship with Elvis and his mama. She meeting the love of his life to letting his father run a great deal of business with the cobra-striking snake Parker at the hell of it all. The encompassing machinations of Colonel Tom Parker, played so masterful by Academy Award winner Tom Hanks, is nothing short of stupendous. The film very much focuses on Parker at that point of developing such a serious addiction to gambling that he kept Elvis hostage at a Vegas hotel and residences for years. And then you find out later on why that is the case. Elvis finally comes to the realization, he can expand his singing career, during internationally. But the slimeball Parker uses a psychological and financial hold over him for such vicious, underhanded blackmail. I do like how such an iconic number one King of Rock and Roll singer can be manipulated by his own circumstances, by mainly one man, Parker, and then a real shock—his own father. Richard Roxburgh from Moulin Rose, plays his dad and he shows his acting chops. He brings an old soul and himself, but when it comes to music, Dear Fry Guy, can unequivocally state the 60s, 70s, and 80s was definitely where it was at. And it's a Buzz Harmon director film, and he captures everything in Elvis Presley's uh, life. Elvis Presley is honestly one of my favorite artists of my life. I grew up listening to many Presley records on LPs, uh, on my own record player. Uh, to sum it up, there's two hours, our 38 minutes movie, Elvis is a... Stylist made a musical biopic, which I don't really like musicals, but this is done so well that it doesn't come across as a musical. It's not just a tribute to the man, but it's a true celebration of Presley himself. The table has interesting life, and as far as the soundtrack goes, well, it's all Elvis Presley, a.k.a. Austin Butler, what they did was was brilliant, they called Skim, and they used Elvis' voice in some of the stuff, but they actually used uh, Austin Butler's voicing in some of the others as well. I like a movie that can provoke the listener to a wide range of emotions, from anger, elation, shock, to happiness. Elvis, the movie, captures it all. It's been a very long time, since a a movie, actually took a piece of my heart to watch it but Elvis did that. Austin Butler gives the star-studded making performance his career will actually explode from this movie that already has not already. On a scale of five air fresheners, as we always rate them, this one is a 10. So that's your movie review of Elvis, guys. Um, Let's get to Janet and her topic of fibromyalgia. Okay, so basically it's the chronic disorder Causing pain and tenderness throughout the body, as well as fatigue and trouble sleeping. It can cause heightened sensitivity to pain, and apparently there's Mm -hmm. no cure or uh, there's only management for it. It's more often found in women than in men, and can affect any age, but easily diagnosed uh, middle age. Uh, if you have other diseases, such as lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosis, spondylitis, which is a back issue, osteoarthritis, depression, anxiety, or any chronic back pain or IBS, you are more prone to, to getting fibromyalgia. Yep. Uh, they have found that it is mainly genetic, but occasionally someone will be diagnosed with it with no family history. Uh, symptoms are basically muscle and joint stiffness, tenderness to touch, numbness, uh, tingling in the arms and legs, uh, problems with concentration, thinking clearly, and memory, also known as fibro fog, heightened uh, uh, sensitivity to light, noise, odors, temperatures, digestive issues like bloating and constipation, headaches, migraines, uh, pain in the face or jaw, also TMJ. Uh, Currently, the causes are in it all. Uh, Studies show altered signaling and the neural pathways in the brain uh, in people that do have fibromyalgia. Uh, like I said before, it runs in families, but the gene is yet to be isolated. Environmental factors also believe to play a factor in this. Stressful traumatic events, uh, such as grief and PTSD triggers, Uh, actually trigger fibromyalgia. My allergies come out. Uh, Repetitive strain injuries. Another one. Illness, obesity, and of course, family history. Diagnosis is usually made through a history of physical exams, x-rays, blood work. The treatment for it is usually medication, exercise, both aerobic and strengthening, educational processes, stress management techniques, uh, getting into good sleeping habits, Um, basically to treat underlying issues, complications, or more hospitalizations. Lower, lower quality of life, higher rates of depression, higher death rates for suicide and uh injuries, higher rate of rheumatic conditions, uh, such as arthritis <laughs> uh lymphusum. and it often coexists with all of those above. Oh uh, yeah. Wow. I I can understand a lot of it uh, a lot of it because of chronic pain. The longer you're dealing with cr- chronic pain, the harder it is to be able to overcome and get it, get, get control over it, right? So I can understand, I can, well, I can a, empathize with them. I know a little bit about fiber my Uh there was a lady. Um I don't know her first day. Um her
1: name he was Featherstone. Um, her main he, he, was the block, like, uh, the man that, that, that the viewer, the um, he invented the deal The lock and feel it. Um she had the very first fiber my here, operation. And although started, it was considered a success, she lost her eye and it deformed her face. Yeah my character. He, that was my first grandmother. Oh
2: Oh, well, and I know, I know of... That was my mother's grandmother. Oh, wow. And I know of... The operation was performed in Vancouver. Oh, wow. I know of a set of twins identical. One was, given, was um, diagnosed with fibromyalgia in her 20s, and the other twin, as of today, still doesn't have it. So when I say genetics, it makes you wonder. Because there. are again- I do know if I can just stop but in there for a minute I do know that when I was on Vancouver island and I was selling like insurance I came across so many women that had fibromyalgia uh, and it was staggering like i I would say probably the ratio was like three to the six for everyone that I was writing up on, on policies and I don't know have you come across any women who have fibromyalgia on the island Uh, Actually, I have dated a a really wonderful lady about three years ago, she's moved to Vancouver now, but uh, grew up here in Vancouver Island, she had fibromyalgia, and watching her experience the pain and the discomfort that she went through, every time she had a bit of an attack, sometimes it was just there, it wasn't an attack, Just she'd wake up, it was there, and she had to carry on and it was it was so hard to watch and to see her get ready to go to work and come home and feeling like just as painful as she was um she tried all kinds of different treatment all kinds of different medications um there was like there was a little bit of, bit of success with some uh, cbd stuff i like don't know enough about cbd oils and stuff so i'm not going to comment on it but um she did have some success with it but it just it, like you say, there's really no cure, and and she's gonna have it forever. So, you know, just normal things like eating together or sleeping was painful, working was painful, making love was painful, uh, cooking dinner was painful. Everything it just was. It was so heartbreaking to watch. Yeah, you know, I but like I, said, I, I I fully I fully empathize. And I deal with chronic pain all the time. Um... Hmm. Yeah, because all the be back surgeries. Well, on that topic, um, yeah. I will let you know, guys, next week, I'm going to do something on a different note of a topic, and it's something I swear by. I just turned my wife on to it. It's called turmeric with ginger root. Yeah. Um, and I am telling you, it is an amazing godsend. I uh, I had chronic pain with my knees for the last couple of years. Since I've been on that turmeric, I, I don't have any issues with it. And uh, so then I turned Carol on to it she has hip issues, and you know, now now she has no real problems. problems. Like, she's starting to, to yeah. notice the, the, the benefits. So I, I want to tell you about some amazing uh, qualities of turmeric. And if you guys aren't using it, I highly recommend you try it because I'm telling yeah. you, it works. It's amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, yeah, it is. Do you uh, know, know why it works, though? It works on um, reducing the inflammation. Because inflammation is what causes your pain. Ah, okay. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if your buffer guy, I know Kurt Russell does. <laughs> okay, <thank you. laughs> well, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another thing. Another thing about uh, uh, Kurt Russell—he married Goldie Hawn. I don't think, uh, your fucker dude did. (laughs) Alright, you want to get on to your mysterious western topic? (laughs) 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 That's awesome, Jake. That's great. Do you you know why Kurt Kurt Russell is awesome? awesome? He's awesome. He's like a man. He's like a man's man. She has a man crush on Kurt Russell. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> what? <laughs> Kurt Russell movie? He's a lesbian, man. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know why he wore, uh, do you know why he wore an eye patch? It says, "What's the year?" Oh, I got a guy named Joe in you my shit going. Oh, I like it. There you go. There go. Sure, sorry. Okay, but there Where's your little homeless guy? Okay. Do you, want, do you want to get on with your topic there, cowboy? <laughs> <laughs> or should I say cowgirl? <laughs> uh, okay, we are going to take a shot back in time. Long before that butler guy. <laughs> we go back to 1865 on the argument that we set the stage for the Wild West gun And this is this fact. our hero Oh, my hero
1: lost <laughs> a gambling debt and didn't have the money to pay us. So he put up his
2: father's walk so he could get the money. Many pot that he lost to taunted it, constantly showing him the watch. Our hero walked up and on the street. Said, You wake up, watch one more time, I'll shoot you dead. Todd Panic, drew his he gun and fired. Missed, our, our hero shot here. in the street,
1: 75
2: yards, on a quick draw, drew the man's That's the man's name, Wild Bill Hickok. He was born, born to be a legend, he was a marshal, he was a sheriff, he was a... But once you're sadly, he was famous for one thing that we know of today. He's a big man on his hand when he shot the back of the head. He did one. Now, here's the funny thing. He buried beside Calamity King. According to sources, he didn't even like her. There's love with a woman in Kansas City that while he was going blind, you can tell we that was an area for a last name
1: or, I can't remember her first name, um, that's you can see but calamity G created such a story that is in the history us. Like, and we're still wanting to see if this happen, because all the people that were there, he held it, he's very, he's like, well, and it's just, so. You could even, even go and sit in the chair at this table. See, myself, well, the table if it was the multi-photo working yeah. and
2: ask how the election of the gunfighter started. Oh, so he didn't really elaborate. Butler uh, oh, Okay, he didn't really elaborate on on how he was shot. Like was he like was it a grudge thing or or what? I can't remember the last name. Um, so I I can help with that. I don't remember this yelling fella's name. I, it'll come to me. But I know a little bit about this story as well because I too am very enamored with the Wild West. All began. When he was in Deadwood, when Wild Bill was in Deadwood, he was uh, absolutely, most enormously in Deadwood as a poker player and played yeah. cards every day, every single day. And uh, the kid, as you say, oh, oh, killed him, had lost to Wild Bill, and a couple of people at the table made fun of Keyster's um, kid, basically, if you will. And they talked to him, and they talked to him, and they talked to him, and well, Bill was a bit of a smart ass. He was a little bit arrogant. Uh, and if you ever actually watched the show did one, there's the the fellow that plays, uh well, Bill did a very good job. And uh, so as you see he's says an eight on so the last poker hand he ever played. He had a winning hand and the kid, yes, he he was not gonna let Bill win that hand. There's no way he was gonna let him win he he already Kicking all this kid's money, didn't want to give him another chance to get back in the game. And the kid from behind pulled up a gun, and out of sheer uh, anger, frustration, uh, a with the pressure from it. the other people in the saloon, killed him and shot him from, from behind. That was that, 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 that's that's good, Mark. But good story. Story. I just want to add to that. The guy, hold on. The guy's name was Jack McCall. That Jack McCall that, and that killed Oil Bill, and it was to avenge his brother's death. Guys. Nice. No, 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 that's not true. There, there's, there's speculation about that, Brian. Or, in, 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 I don't, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say Israel. No. There is speculation about that. But like he did lose. Um, he went there, he had a grudge, he played cards, he lost. And he was in behind in the crowd. And he might have run, he might have been sitting there wanting to do something for his brother. But the other, other of the other movie. story the other story is that Jack McCall was there to kill Wild Bill with the help of everybody else. Taking him on for him abandoning him or abandoning him and his mother. Yes, because that's very good, And Bill had been romantically involved with Jack McCall's mother before he did, before he died. That's right. And the guy that While Bill killed in eighteen sixty five is supposedly Jack McCall's fault. That's not
1: true. That's not true. Ten, ten years. Ten years
2: uh all the movies to pick something different. The closest yeah. movie um was with uh oh what the hell was your name. Hell of an actor. Um oh, help me out here Mark. What was his name? Uh, he's a great actor. Uh he played Wild Bill in uh Hickok. Jeff in the movie Hickok? In yeah, the movie Hickok. What was his name? Jeff Jeff Frick right. that is the closest rendition to Hickok's life. And you know what the only thing that's true in that movie? Like got shot Deadwood. not been to Deadwood, right? No, my parents have been to Deadwood. And, I like, I watched the series, and my mom and dad wanted to go there, and I asked my mom and dad to take a bunch of pictures, and learn some stuff about Deadwood that I didn't know. I thought I knew a fair bit. And uh, the one piece that my dad came back with was when Alexander Graham Bell invented, oh, well, he had to invent too, because he had to make a phone call. call. Yes. And the very first phone call, call was made to two from New York City. And the phone wow. is not in New You can still go to the store and look through the window because it's preserved and see the original phone on the very first phone call, call ever made on this on this planet. Hmm. I did not know that. I knew he made two phone. I did not know it was in Yes, it was. I didn't know either. I thought it would have been just another phone in New York, but it was in Edwards, of all places. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> That's, that, as always, is, we, is well, another good thing that we learned from these history books. Speaking of inventions, I, I might talk about this one day. The original light bulb is still burning. You know that? I've heard that. I wasn't sure that it was here well, The filament is made for horsehair, and the bulb is filled with the, I off it's still so burning. Well, you know, some of what you see is pretty that. Oh, there you go. Oh, do you, know, um, <laughs> you
1: know, <there's> a little bit <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I think so. I think so. Oh, I a little, so. little butter Brad. I know. I know. <laughs> 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 if they,
2: they show the part of. Uh, did Russell do the gay scene with uh, an Elvis American? Um, what's up dude? I'm a baby Elvis fan. What are you talking about the gay scene? Yeah, exactly. You didn't hear about that scene? Kurt Russell never did any of those. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, when I was a kid, this was so funny. This was so funny. I remember, I'll never forget. My mother always bought the National Enquirer, and she giggled her ass off. Well, I was in, it. I was with her one day, and on the cover was Rock Hudson when he was dying, right? And the uh, <laughs> caption it had. Rock Hudson's yeah. Secret Affair with Elvis. <laughs> and I've never forgot that because I laughed so hard. Like, we you don't know their fate, right? I mean, Elvis, he's you know, not bloody likely. I don't think so. You know, not in a million years. Not in a million years, right? right? So I, I just remembered that. Yeah. I mean, Kurt Russell would be so upset if that was here <laughs> Well, do you know what they want to he he, he he had a he went with a movie uh, it yeah. happened at the county fair, I think it's called. And Kurt Russell's very first acting scene was he ran up and kicked Elvis' the shit. And they were <laughs> friends ever since. Well so, when Kurt Russell did the movie, Elvis um, Presley when they were first talking about doing the movie, Elvis was uh, approached. Who do you think we should do it? Who do you think you should do it? And he saw a clip of Kurt Russell performing mm-hmm. the Elvis Presley routine. You know, oh really? singing it or not? And he said, "That's the guy." Well, when he did three, uh, 3, miles, the three thousand uh, miles per hour. Oh yeah, yeah, that was so that good. Was good. The makeup they did on him actually made him look like he's be his kid. Like he was a decent Yeah, it like was yeah, very well. Okay, uh, so we're going to get to another topic, but we have to, we have to break, guys. By the way, what's that guy's name again? Uh, I'll okay. stay right. I already forgot who he is. Well, you'll be hearing a lot more of him this year, I guarantee you. Oh, yeah, uh, not like for one. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say he's going to have a career like Kurt Russell, but I'm going to say that he's uh he's definitely developing a career that mirrors Kurt Russell's. So there you go. So no, we're going to get back close. to you. Not even close. Not even close. Unless he shows up with Goldie on, like great granddaughter or something. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Never. Okay. I like Kurt Russell. Thing, by the way, okay. So I like the idea. Oh, back. now we now he's back. Battle. Battle. Okay, so we're gonna get back. We're gonna do a break here. We got another Darby Hill great song. When she was with the Hefns, she did a song called Turn It Out! Come on, Turn it.
0: Turn it up. Come on, turn it.
1: Just ever so slightly tonight, and talk about our uh, illustrious prime minister. Oh, wow. I know, I know, I I
2: I'm not a fan of, of bringing anything up, but his his entire cabinet is re- is leaving him. Uh, this issue with the student that did not happen back when he was teaching, has come back up to prove to wow. heal a little bit. And I know. And you know, there's, there's, there was at that time when they settled out of court at $2.25 million. Uh, basically, all of us called a money. Uh, it money. It, it has come back into the limelight. And he announced, he was in uh, Regina, I think it was today, talking about his new budget. And so, uh, reporters brought that back up and one of the reporters was actually escorted by security out of the grocery store, out of the grocery store where they were having their little interview. Um, it, the same kind of idea the Dalai Lama issue that we talked about earlier this evening. Here's, here's a teacher, and, and I mean, we've heard it. We've heard it throughout the
1: decades of student-teacher affairs, but because the Spanish, the leader of our country, do you have that kind of uh, Background and that kind of history, and
2: our government is still supporting this. And I'm not going to say behavior, because you know, again, at that point, point, in time there's no evidence. Now apparently there's evidence, and I don't think it's like a dog with a bone. They're not going to let it go until, until they can actually bury this guy. So my issue now has 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 kind of sort of shook me up. When Brian and I were talking earlier today, see that that, that little segue shook up, especially. You know, I love it, I love it! So anyways, it rattled me a little bit today when Brian and I were talking about the Dalai Lama and and, I put my phone down and I picked it up when I was uh, waiting for a load And all of a sudden, this little bluff came on about Trudeau, about the interview, and about this student, and then about the fiasco that he's trying to put forth with our our budget right now. Everyone knows that Trudeau has had his way with our money. He's had his hands in our pockets, far too long. His carbon tax, his disc tax, and the other tax, basically putting so much money together so that when he walks away from his office, not only are we gonna be broke, but he's never gonna be broke again for the rest of his life. Not only is that criminal, the man should have long ago been put in jail, never was put in jail, found a way to get out of it, and he he just keeps Making so many unbelievable, like mm-hmm. monstrous mistakes, and now with this budget talk, that it, certain people with uh, a husband and wife and children all can receive four hundred and sixty-seven dollars. I don't give a rat's the duty about four hundred and sixty-seven bucks when it comes. To- yeah, groceries are expensive. I'd like to get four hundred and sixty-seven dollars. Yeah. Like, can you- can you give that to me every month? That'd be great. I'd appreciate that. We're not going to get it. It's going to be a one-time deal. It's, it's yep. just a horse <laughs> what this guy. Is. You're going to put forward to everybody. And all these he's a plainclothes robber. And it, it's unfortunate that we have to grin and bear it. We have to put up with it. And, and the yeah. election system that we have in place screwed oh. us so bad because the East is so heavily populated as opposed to the West that they're, their votes. No matter what we try to do and what we did try to do, this politician managed to stay in a play and create more debt and more detriment to this country than any politician has ever done in the history. Even his father didn't screw us as bad as he's doing it. And he keeps getting away with it. Well, now that his entire cabinet's leaving him, even the NDP party is starting to call him out in the House of Commons. The NDP party is starting to say, uh, wait a minute, hold on a sec. No, that that's not cool. That's not right. I mean, I'm not going to use the political uh, arena that they use and, and banter back and forth about it because I just don't watch the House of Commons like I used to anymore. I used to watch it all the time when I was injured, but... Um, Long story short, this this human being that possesses the the seat of Prime Minister in Canada is absolutely an abusive, power-hungry, money-hungry little child that somehow, someway got away with robbing our entire country. He robbed the childhood of a young girl, and he's still committing robbery today. I know there's a big old sequence. It's just how I feel. Do I have proof on everything? Absolutely not. Can I say for a fact that everything that everyone's saying about him right now is true? No, I can't. Yeah. But, but I have one. my opinions and that's my opinion. Well, and I can gosh. see some yeah, of this fact. Yeah, that should have been charged with Yeah, well, and 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 fact. Think about this. Food for thought, right? Where? Okay, the, he 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 he's been giving away more money than. I, I believe any other prime minister has. Now now understand this. When you think about this, where does that money come from? Why are we going into more debt every single month? And and to to add insult to injury, there's now a central bank digital currency coming out and it said that, you know, we're like the reason why is because uh, like we'll we'll be accumulating so much debt. Okay, so is the money that that's being forked out that he says is helping us when it's it's really not. Is that money actually putting our country into more debt? No, what's putting us into more debt is all the trips that he does. None of it is, you know. I mean, it's all private jets and and two thousand dollars a hotel rooms that we pay for. Yeah, that's that's totally understandable. But uh, like 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 who who here can can guarantee me right now that the money that he's giving to Canadians, uh, Canadian citizens, to quote unquote make their lives better is not actually putting us in even more debt. Because if you think about it, right, a ten dollars or $20,000 taxpayer paid for a flight is, is completely cheaper in hindsight than giving uh, every Canadian a four or 400 and some odd dollars. It's cheaper. No matter how you want to look at it, how many people live in, live in Canada? Okay, now there's like a, 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 a one point something million or whatever. Now times that, by by how much he's he's giving uh, every single person right now, especially every month for the climate incentive change. They're, they're like like, there's there's so many lies and misconceptions here that yeah. people are just just blinded. They, they, like we're stuck here, not knowing what to do. Yeah, and Castro, my dad. Yeah. Um, why why? Like, I don't just this look this uh, does like that. We just don't get this. Why can a government okay? Tax bracket, I don't know what you guys are, but I, I, I know I, I, uh, just like tax and it just, my know, as far as I'm concerned, why can they take the severance tax from someone who doesn't have a their job? Just you know, I don't understand how they can do things like that. Like, you shouldn't be allowed to take the severance tax, period. Yeah. It's a... That's your money. You don't got another job. Wait, like, that's the last job he, 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 yes, he claims he worked for the Golden News. And then one day that job was over and we're in here. And you know how much money they took in his severance package? It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. $20,000. $20,000. Like, you know that's your kind of you. I know, what? I know, but you know why? What? Why? did they get that? Why? they Canadian law. So. Yeah, but it's, yeah, but it's it not really considered an income when you lost your job. It is. It is. No, you know, income. It, it is. no different, thinking. yeah. It's no different than EI or, you know. Do you, know. you, you know how you win the lottery? You get it. A factory? Right. Uh-huh. That's great. Right. That's a sham. You know why? Why? You have to deposit an income of me the second you... Put that into the bank, you gain interest. You gain yeah, you pay interest. interest. You gain income. Now you they tax it? the whole thing. Oh, there you go. No, they actually only tax That's the, why, the money that you make on it. That's why if you give it as a gift to somebody, you end up paying on, like if, they, if you give a person $100,000 from your winning, and they invest that money and it makes money, it goes back on you because that's still technically your money is. You, 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 you gotta got do money. you gotta do what the guy did back in the nineties. He went to the lottery corporation bank and cashed the check. demanded okay. cash. He got cash. Uh, it was eight hundred something thousand dollars. They charged him a fee for the money. He went across the street to a lawyer and sued the bank. $2.5 million. <laughs> uh, me personally, I would never put my money into the bank, and, and the reason why is like there's so many videos on YouTube right now where, where people are trying to pull every single cent out of their account, and they can't because the, yep. bank, the bank doesn't have the money. The bank doesn't have your money, they don't keep your money. They take your money and they lend it out to other investors, and then they make a percentage on that that you can't even touch. Yeah. I don't, I, I know I don't believe in savings accounts, I don't. You have to pay uh, interest, on and, and by the way, you have to fall uh, uh, above a certain threshold in order to even make any, any gains on that savings account. It just does, it's not logically, it, it doesn't logically make sense. If so you have to you. have a bank account, if you have to have a bank account, and I was told this by my short advisor, just, just by law you have to have a bank account to have a job. Yeah, okay. Now, you take all your money out of the bank
1: except to cover your bill and leave under a dollar. That way the
2: bank gets more money to get your Okay, now, so speaking of, speaking of really half-baked crap, could I talk about my last talk?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> all right, you want to remember this. This is a
2: law that's actually on the books in Canada it's and in the law law. United States. It okay, goes back to Horses and Bucky. Okay, most provinces and thieves, all but two, still have this law. It's called the wrongful Death Law. And what that basically meant was if your team of horses ran away from you and killed somebody, you were liable. Now, it has been long forgotten and buried until the O.J. set the trial. He was yet the family came after him for wrongful death. You now, what that did is it opened a door to, uh, we called an ambulance, Jesus. Uh, a guy, uh, the infamous uh, uh, Warner accident that we always hear about, right? The guy claimed he broke down on, I believe it's I 35 in Texas, uh, left his kids in the car, locked the floor, turned the lights off. Left his car in the fast place and, and he claimed he went for help. Well, for a comes along, asked to see the car, he kills two kids in the car. He was he acquitted was of any wrongdoing. But he's found guilty of a wrongful death. Even though I don't damn well the guy killed Another case that happened in, I believe it was
1: in California, where was a teenager was uh, pulled onto the back of a semi trailer. Honestly, and the driver, not knowing at all that the guy was holding on to the,
2: the back of the trailer, he swore for a bottle. And the kid got kind of thrown into head on, on traffic and guilt. The driver was found so guilty of that. I had no idea that the kid was there, but he was found so guilty. He should have that's crazy. What that's done is now more and more <laughs> of these ambulance chasers. In more and more states, and government. it hasn't happened here yet. It's gonna start digging up these old laws that haven't been on the books for 80, 90, 100 years, but they've never yeah. been taken off. And they're resurrecting them. And, and they're using true. them against the trucking industry and, and the, the transportation true. industry, buses, gas whatever, as a loophole. It gets the world and world. world. And I'm sure there's. I tripped over this yesterday. I was just pissed. I couldn't avoid it. These are holding up in court. Well, I'm sure there's lots of those laws out there. No, no. There's a law in British Columbia, I don't know if it's in Canada, but British Columbia, and it's been in place since 1800s that every drinking establishment, no matter what it is, whether it's a hotel that has a or a lounge, anywhere that you can buy alcohol, uh, so yeah, I said I have a, a hitching hose. post, yep. you have to. Actually, and I don't know if remember this, there was a Carlton club in this I don't know if you remember that, um, that the owner had a hitching post out front, and everybody wondered why he put it up, he goes, this is law, and he was yeah. Like, yeah. like, I do recall this in Okanagan, in the Okanagan, and this did happen, it happened six years ago, in a little town called Okanagan Falls. The owner of the hotel got into a kissing contest with the government, and that's what they eventually got on. And shut them down. I Yes, in. I remember that very well. well. I stayed at yeah. that hotel. Yes. Oh, a- falls. Falls. Yeah, I remember that a- yeah. yeah, yeah. well. The Hitching Falls is still The hotel closed down now, but the Hitching yeah. Falls is still there. That's what it is. Yeah, it's. Um, there's another law. There's another law. It's reasonable for. In California, it is against the law. You know, an ice cream was one leg off the walking board and one foot oh, on the ground. You know why? You know why? It goes back to the days. It goes back to the days of horses. Yeah, aren't those called blue laws or something? Those are the oh, laws that on the files and... Yes, yes. Well, maybe maybe you could do a topic on that there, Jay, and a piece, piece should. I should. I, I, I remember. I remember Vancouver had a really stupid one that they advertised because it's so freaking stupid. It goes back to the days of stealing ships, and uh, it had something to do with if you were Shanghai and you managed to get away, and if you had to call, you would be fine $25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah, it you yeah, a whole I remember, I remember reading that at the police interview. It was an actual law. Because people were faking, And that's what it goes back to. It goes back to fraud. And, and people and would fake being shanghai work. to get money out of shipping Wow. So, to stop this, the cops came up with this law. There you go. And it worked. We're give that top on the books. I'm going to use that topic for next week. Stupid laws. Stupid, stupid laws. laws. In the snarl. There you go. You bet. So, let's start with the urban of yes. of the United States. You're carrying on all the different states. Uh, last week, I told you about the ghost of Mr. Q. We were going to get into that. Uh, it comes out of Delaware. So Samuel Chew was Chief Justice of the Delaware Supreme Court in 1741. As the story goes, he didn't always get the respect he deserved. People frequently made fun of his name by mimicking and sneezing while he walked by. at you. After his death, he enacted his revenge by sitting under a, say, a poplar tree and staring at certain individuals that mocked him. And then he'd wander the courthouse and nearly creep out Delaware by being a pesky ghost, such as pulling on a man's coattails or touching women inappropriately and giving them that cold icy feeling. So there you go. We have a pervert ghost in Delaware. Okay, um, Florida. We have the gravity-defying Spook Hill. Now this is kind of interesting. It's a phenomenon that actually is a true, uh, that happens to this very day. And it's actually real. Cars are parked in neutral. They appear to roll up the hill. The legend states the hill is either the site of a Native American burial ground or an epic battle of a Native chief uh, going against a very large alligator in a battle. The actual truth, though, guys is it's just an optical illusion created by the hill's landscape surroundings the cars are actually rolling downhill much like when you park you know um waiting watching a train you know you ever you ever done that and all of a sudden it feels like your car or truck is going sideways that's that's how it how it works kind of crazy um in short we have the ghost town under lake one here now this is creepy this is really creepy that the very bottom of a very deep man-made lake called Lake Lanier lies almost fully intact Numerous towns, ferries, a racetrack and multiple cemeteries. Now, back in 1946, the Georgia government was determined to create the largest man-made lake in the state to capitalize on tourism due to the incredible climate that it enjoys. After getting congressional approval and trying to avoid the enormous cost of relocating several small towns, they made a very great decision. To, to create the space, they flooded the lake area after presumably getting all the townfolk out of the towns, but they were dead wrong. Today Lake Lanier has a very eerie feel about it. There have been an unusual number of freak accidents since it was created, including seventeen suspicious deaths. They don't even know how they occurred back in two thousand eleven. They're mostly drowning. That's how they kind of sum it up. On a calm lake, which is weird, but numerous people have actually uh, reported arms and legs pulling them down into the depths of the lake. However, no evidence is linked to this, leading many to believe that the restless spirits haunt and roam the lake to this day. In Hawaii, we have the night marchers. According to Hawaiian lore, they are not evil spirits, but they do demand respect. The night marchers are spirits of ancient Hawaiian warriors who march at night around the islands to protect the secret areas. Wednesday well, says that if you look directly at a night marcher, you will be marked for death. If you find yourself in the middle of a procession, you're supposed to immediately lie down, face down in the middle of the road, and if you see a night Mark's coming in our, and of course they are in Hawaii, all the kind of brightly lit torches and the sound of bongo drums and beware. Now in Idaho, and I go by this all the time, it's called the Water Babies of Massacre Rocks. Most famously these water babies can be found and heard in Pocatello at the Massacre Rocks State Park. In eighteen oh five, the Shoshone tribe roamed the plains, but uh in a historical record state, it may go back actually to the 1500s, they say. Nevertheless, they did experience an extreme famine, and the mothers, the native mothers, were forced to drown their newborns in the river rather than oh, lost their me. soul and starved. Today many tourists have actually claimed if you sit quietly at these rivers by Massacre Rocks, you'll hear the sound of babies crying. And I'll be the first to tell you, I have heard this. I all mean, I, I over one, one night uh, by these rocks, and that scared the living crap out of me. It sounded like babies I I crying. I have been there. I've been, been there, and, and <laughs> it is an eerie, eerie place. Yes, it is. The, the other there there is nothing uh, nice about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the other mm-hmm. so funny legend about these babies is they grew mm-hmm. kills and fins, became evil fish, mm-hmm. wearing mm-hmm. unsuspecting mm-hmm. mothers into the river to mm-hmm. drown their victims in it. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, mm-hmm. now this one will blow you guys away, Holy the Clown, Chicago, mm-hmm. Illinois. Um, Illinois urban legends, specifically in Chicago, surrounding a killer clown, uh, actually a, a creepy clown crease. You might have heard this creepy clown crease that was going on several years ago. Well, this is predated before that. It was actually in 1991, sparking intense public controversy and even caused the city of Chicago uh, to be have localized hysteria. They were actually, uh, bad, they had a curfew back then because of this weird looking clown. The basics behind the home the clown or that a strange clown was seen in full costume stalking school playgrounds in chicago in the middle of the day he would get yelled children to get his van with candy or prying with the idea that he had a puppy in it um i'm sure you've heard of that before the macabre legend the legend though spread to this particular clown more clowns because there were more sightings of them and they just basically they, they said that these, these, these people were telling serial killers or a deranged maniac. who sexually assaulted and murdered children. So, Homie the Clown was named after Damon Wayans' sadistical character back in the 1990s Variety right? Show uh, in Living Colors. Somebody just took it upon themselves to become Homie the Clown or Homie the Clown. Sir. So even some sightings said this evil person was carrying a sock which he would use to hit the children with. So Homie, Doesn't play that. Next week on visit number 30, we go in Indiana to the Hundred Steps Cemetery. And now, from the Derby Mills Project. Uh, thank you as well, and we'll be talking to you on visit number 30, buddy. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I've, uh, I've, I've taken a bit of a liking to digging up a topic and, and researching it a little bit so that we can share it. Um, as far as Darby Mills and the Darby Mills Project goes, I've known Darby since about um, 1984. Uh, I've talked about it many times, and uh, maybe I'll share that story one day and and tell you guys how we met. Uh, I'm, I'm all glad you had a chance to have an interview with her, Brian, and I love her music. Yeah, and, and, and we've got a lot more coming. Um, this is just part one, so part two and part three, and uh, we plan on um, um, definitely do some more stuff with therapy down the road. So, thanks, Marcus Allen, and we'll I'll talk to you next week, buddy. You guys have, have a great a night. Take care. You have a great night. Thanks, bud. Uh-huh. Bye, guys. See you Cheering on, I think you have another topic that you want to share. I think, well, you have one more as well to end off. And then we have the Darby Mills uh, interview on um, Brad Geist 101 Van Wagon. So here's Somehow I knew you're going to do that. <laughs> okay, so we got health risks, Um that workers are definitely... Most of them know what I'm talking about when I go through all these. Uh, Obesity and hypertension, of course, is number one. So uh, part of the reason is, of course, lack of space for exercising, lack of access to food, especially when you're rushed. With us, it's a lot of time constraints. And then you've got uh, parking. For healthier options is limited, so finding a place to get proper groceries isn't always the easiest for us. So the next one is of course muscular, musculoskeletal injuries. So that usually comes from you know sitting all day, lack of stretching and exercise, leading to weaker muscles, muscle spasms, strains, and sprains, and of course. Most of us leave things untreated and ignored, so the skeletal injuries can uh, lead to permanent damage or chronic pain that's harder to treat later. Uh, number three is, of course, extreme fatigue or sleep apnea. Uh, long hours, sleep breaks. A third of the drivers suffer from sleep apnea. Uh, It can occur uh, due to throat muscles, relaxing, blocking airways, um, or the brain feeling to signal muscles that control our breathing. We've also got the back and neck injuries, again, because we're confined to a small space, not a lot of room to stretch and move around. We spend so much time sitting and, of course, the roads and the... the seats in the trucks. Uh, there's so much that uh, that leads to these gun injuries. You've also got uh, not stretching enough. That's that's a big, big key factor in all of this too. If um, you can stretch your muscles out, so you don't create as many repetitive strain injuries, right? Um, higher, risk, higher, higher risk of accidents, and that's mainly due to fatigue, sleep apnea, hypertension, diabetes. Uh, drivers with three or more health conditions are at a higher risk of force. You've got increased stimulant use, cigarettes, energy drinks, coffee, um, 19% of Americans smoke, 51% of long-haul truck drivers smoke. Increased risk of heart disease, stroke, cancer, blood clots, and diabetes. Um, We're also twice as likely to develop diabetes because of eating and lack of exercise, which leads to obesity. 22% of drivers um, are on cholesterol-type medications to lower cholesterol. And again, that comes back to, you know, the fast foods, the deep fried foods. When you're in a hurry, grab what's quick, right? Exposure to hazmat or diesel fumes, Um, the gas and diesel fumes, of course, lead to cancer. Um, And, of course, you've got exposure if you're hauling hazmat. um, You're likely to be around fumes or something to that effect, right? Um, You've got also depression and loneliness Um, because we have limited home time and we find it hard to connect and interact face to face. Continual isolation can lead to depression, poor sleep, mood changes, suicidal thoughts. Men are less likely and and again, again, I did. I mean, that in case, case, being a single guy, sore hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, enough, enough. <laughs> well, and, and men are less men are less likely to seek help. Laugh it up, laugh it up, blue pill boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, men are less likely to seek help. And they're also four, four times more likely to commit suicide than women. Only three Wait. And only three I will add something serious to this. i got to add control. something serious to this. Um, a lot of drivers are lactose tolerant, so they, they can't have milk. Um, they actually have, uh, how do I put this nicely, a bowel issue. Okay. Yeah. And... And... And uh, they actually have uh, stiffness uh, from the neck from driving. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh well see and part of that too is because the roads slant to the right. So we're always sitting a little bit off, right? We're always trying to bring it back to the left. So and one thing I've noticed as well is I've done a little bit of my own research on this. Um, but I found that my the right side of my body is more deteriorated than the left, and that comes from driving, right? Because it's your right side. I mean, with with the exception of when we had clutches, um, your right side did all the work. You know, uh, you had the the gear shift. You had everything was on the right hand side of your your vehicle. All your gauges. You, you got clutch foot. You got clutch foot, clutch arm. Yeah. You know, right yeah so and then too, we got, uh, yeah yep exactly well, see and i uh, after going through some of my own issues recently um and i I mean, I always wondered why the right side of my body was so bad, right, it's like. I've got the left side of the body is, you know, still back in its 30s or 40s. The right side of the body on the other hand, not so much. More like in its 80s, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, anyway, so about 35% of men that are dealing with depression won't take treatment. Or actually, no, correction, All we'll will seek treatment. So, less than half half of the people affected, it, men in general, don't think that it's something that they need to look after. Um, of course, the last thing here, of course, is low priority of health care. When we're on the road and we're coming home, we're on the road more than we're home we wanna spend that time at all. You know, with our with our family and of course if we're only doing a reset that leaves so little time to deal with appointments or anything like that, right? So um then you've got uh you know, you don't want to be sitting at a doctor's office. So a lot of times you go, Ah, I can wait till next time. Or I can wait till next time, and it next time never comes, right? So minimizing risk, of course, for all of these issues. First off, buying healthier groceries. You know, fruits and veggies for snacks instead of pop and chips. Um, invest in proper cooking equipment. You know, it's not hard to stock a truck up with. You know, say George Foreman grill, a microwave, a rice cooker, or even an instant pot for that matter. And you make your own meal. I used to do mine in that 30-minute break. And I actually eat healthier on the road than I was eating at home. Um, also watching sodium levels. As soon as you start looking at fast food, you're looking at high sodium levels, which adds to hypertension, high blood pressure. Um... Also, your, your pre-cooked foods, like when you're going into, say, Walmart or Safeway, wherever, right? Uh, any any of those stores. Any of the pre-cooked foods that are, you know, just microwavable, but they're higher in sodium. So if you can avoid them, try to avoid them. Um, and two, uh, I myself, having mobility issues. Uh, because of my back, I used to have to, because I uh, wasn't able to walk that far, so I, I used to walk around my truck when I stopped for my break, over and above taking the dog out and everything. But I used to make it mandatory for myself to do it, so I got just that extra little exercise. So if you're having mobility issues, use your truck. Uh, I know there's not a lot of hiking trails sometimes that you can get to. It's a quick, you know, five minutes around the trip, and off you go again. It's a little bit of exercise. Um, drinking water is, of course, one of the key things, especially when it comes to obesity. Uh, if you're drinking your water, then you're not drinking all the pop. Um, getting regular checkups as well. If you're getting regular checkups and... Uh, at least you know what's going on with yourself. Uh don't ignore repetitive strain injuries and exercise can improve sleep as well. So those are all things that you can try to do to make things a little better for yourself while you're out on the road. All right, that's pretty informative. Uh my guy has to go. his wall is ready and he's off and run. So Ah, you can to off. Uh, hmm. So, you had a topic, one more topic. Did you not, uh, well? Yeah, with, uh, Bill C11. It's uh, a real quick topic. The subject is going to touch a little bit on, on Bill C11. Now, uh, to use Google Dorks. Uh, you can actually Google Google Dorks to, to get to get at this information. You put them, uh, put the dorks together and you'll get some documents and, you know, inside the document, Bill still C11, uh, also known as the inter- Internet censorship bill. Uh, basically, um, it, they they tried to say that it was, you know, to control uh, the amount of pornography or whatever that kids were able to access. But nowhere in the bill does it limit anything for for kids. Um, so. In fact, what we're seeing right now, I mean, it just do the math, right? I mean, we, we, we had so much censorship when the COVID vaccines came out. The, the scientists that had that, that, uh, come out and, and talked about them, they were all discredited. The videos were taken down. You know, Elon Musk did a huge thing on this uh, for the reason why he took over Twitter. Um, but it, it, it's basically like we're basically headed for... Um, uh, roughly a Chinese government. Um, and Tito has gone on record, might I add, to say that he he admires the Chinese security system, which, you know, has everyone on this on this uh, rating system, whatever. But um, in Bill C-11, uh, they will be starting to, you know, limit us to what we can and cannot see or do, including but not limited to... The new chat GPT that just came out. About a bunch of people, you know, if you understand how it works, you can literally ask it any question you want to ask it anything, and it will literally give it, it give you the answer. So let's say now, now, now this is kind of a scary thing, but it's also kind of a moneymaker, right? So you know, back in the day. You used to have to know people who, you know, did P plus plus or Python scripting. You don't need that anymore. All you got to do is put put in a search bar, hey, can you make me a script that's able to, you know, do this, this, and this, and this, and it will do it for you. It will rate it for you. And one of, uh, you know, it, it is very useful, absolutely useful if you use the right way. Way more useful than Google, I, I might add. But um, websites like this is what... Uh, according to the bill, is, is what they're trying to prevent, anything that automates things. So uh, not only are we going to be stepping into a time here of uh, extreme censorship, but we're going to see things that are taken away from us, uh, such as, you know, ChatGPT or, um, you know, any other AI product uh, products that have come out. And, you know, to, to our listeners, it's... Like, like, uh, if you hear that, you're you're thinking, wait, there's more? Yeah, there's more. If you go to futuretools.io, there's literally a search bar that you can search for anything AI, um, including, they not limited to pictures, uh, uh, scripting. Uh, There's there's even, you know, video editing software there. It's all free, too, might I add. Uh, and, you know, tools like that make, make life a little bit easier for, you know, developers and whatever else. So, um, yeah, I, I, I have a big piece of Bill uh, C11. I, I feel like it, it's just going to add more control over what we see, or, or what we uh, experience, and what we know. Because, uh, I mean, let's face it, right? You, uh, we don't see much of, uh, of the news that happened in China. For a reason, right? They have segregated their citizens to only watch uh uh their news and their news only. And we're we're not allowed to. I mean you can some people could if they are the on the right site or whatever, but I mean it's it, 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 it just a recipe for disaster at this point. So, um, in closing, uh everything that, you know, we've seen leading up to the next election that's, about the, uh, the, the, that's around the corner has pointed to, uh, quote-unquote, security and control. But, of course, everyone has their own opinion, uh, and um, everyone has their own view on on what this bill means. And, it, you know, I, I, I'm just going to reiterate the fact that they tried to, to distract Congress by saying, uh, you know, this this covers you know uh, pornography and the ability to send or the ability to whatever. Um, and it it really, you know, it it really doesn't. You, you you're literally uh, damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So uh, there really is no need for this OC eleven unless it's altered in some way. But uh, you, you know, uh. A, a, a bit of a dangerous tool in an in, in evil person's hands can become an extremely dangerous tool at, at uh, some point. So let's just uh, keep that in mind. And moving forward, um, we should really all get together and just, you know, try to, uh, without me insinuating anything <laughs> right now or inciting anything right now, Uh, we should all get together and, uh, fight against the corruption that that we're seeing today. Well, the problem with fighting against corruption is just too many people that benefit from it. Yeah, that's true. Now, I mean, as long as you get people getting... Um, like things like student loans and stuff like that are race, You ain't gonna get them on board. Um, they see it as a, correct, a good thing. They don't. They don't see into the future. Yeah. You know. So, um, basically, there's always that group. As long as you if you, you dangle a dollar in front of them, though, they'll, they'll follow you around. So, and that's the hard part. It's, it's convincing them. A hundred percent, yeah. You know, if you could convince them, you won the war. But most of these people are young people, and young people are e- easy to manipulate. Yeah, especially with life. It's not that they're stupid, because they're not. It's lack of experience. Yeah. You know, life experience is a, is a, is a, yeah. a huge thing. Where, you know, these, these young people are just yeah. coming into the working force. Or the work world, and you know they're still a little, little, little behind the years. They don't really, you know, they they see these things as great opportunities. They're not. They're a bad, bad, bad idea. Yeah, I agree. You know, you know. Um, I mean, even if, you know, if I even if I was back in my my twenties, um, uh, I wouldn't have bought into this shit. But you know, I grew up different, same as you. Yeah, you're a little, you're a little harder to, to deceive. Yeah. You know, um, it's a, it's a whole different world now. So, it's very easy to manipulate people now. It sure is, yeah. Well, see, Will was Will got to think for himself, right? Yeah, well, they're not now. I know. Um, all you gotta do is look at all the facts going on. Um. They're popping up every day. And there's millions of just all of them blindly. Okay. You know, it's, it, it's just how it is nowadays. Yeah. No, I, I don't think we'll see the full repercussions of everything until, you know, like five, ten years or well, longer from now. Oh, I'll be long gone before that even comes. You'll, you'll probably be retired by the time it gets to the point of no return. Well, pretty much is there already. I mean, they've, they, they, did you hear about the AI bots they created that you you, blow off the, you literally blow off their head? They have so much intelligence inside the rest of their body that they can actually reach out to the internet and learn how to put their head back together and then put it back on themselves. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it's, man, we're, we're, we're in some crazy times right now. It's just a matter of time before everything is released to the public. Well, they've been, they've been messing with AI for decades. Yeah, and, and technically, it's it's easy to, to 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 make AI. All you need to to know is is some knowledge of Python uh, scripting, and you know, there's actually uh, I wanna, I I don't know if I want to call them programs. There's not really programs per se, but there's there's um, things within Python itself, within the Cali Linux terminals, that actually allow you to. Um, scrape websites, which is basically what AI is. It basically just scrapes the websites for you, uh, or quote-unquote crawls, like what Google does, but it's legal for them to do, right? Well, sooner or later, the computer's gonna figure out that humans are absolutely useless. Yeah. (laughs) And then we're in trouble. Yeah, well, there's been so many humans that have already lost their jobs to robots, and, and, you know, uh, I'm not going to name any names right now, but there's a, a really popular shopping company that ended up replacing their employees with with AI robots. Next, yeah. well, be the automotive industry. Oh yeah, and and it's already got there because you know like Tesla cars now you can they drive themselves apparently. So yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. crazy world. You know, like, we're we're oh. hell bent on so making making our, making ourselves obsolete. I don't know why. Right? <laughs> That's actually uh, a really good way to put it. You know, why would you want to replace yourself? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> do it all? It's called of Great. Uh, Sorry, go my, on. my fear for the EI is that it, it surpasses us. Oh, well... mean well, it, 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 it already has. But yeah, it, it already has. We already got voice... Uh, not? Well, not only voice recognition, but we got... We got humanoid recognition uh, and and it's all over the place right now. just imagine you know one of my actually my my best friend uh Andy Fordham, I brought this up um, there are aim bots for humanoids now all the uh, like like all the military has to do is is implement that technology into their robots and anything that comes within their path is 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 dead you know you know like... <laughs> All you gotta do is go back and watch a movie from the 80s called War Games. Yeah. That was the beginning. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, and we've already surpassed that. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I just don't get it. You know, unless that's what the Elite wants. Nothing but robots running around. Yeah, the, uh... They fall under their self-population uh, uh, care. It has to be said to this many people, never mind the Feigenbaum effect, which by the way was taught to me by, again, Hank Fordham. And the Feigenbaum yeah. effect proves that no matter how big society gets, it will never, never increase. You know, it always permanently. It'll increase one year, but then it'll de- de- decrease next year. If you take a five-year stat of that, we're not growing And up. we're seeing the same. It's the Feigenbaum effect. That's right. I mean, with natural disasters, Disease, wars, yeah, you know. <sighs> Now, now we've got this uh, uh, RNA, which, uh, yeah, uh, is, is, is most people heard about RNA through, you know, the vaccines and stuff, but RNA, they, they're literally, like, there's they're, they, they're, they're getting rid of GMO crops. Uh, they, this is totally the other subject, but they're getting rid of GMO crops. They replace them with RNA, because RNA, they can actually teach RNA. If you research it, they can teach RNA to, to go after and kill other crops. Oh, really Yeah, it's crazy. And 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 guess who is in charge of this program? None other than Bill Gates again. you uh, <laughs> gonna say Bill okay. Gates? Yep. So we're gonna be switching from GMO food, ge- uh, genetically modified, to RNA food. And uh, it's I I I don't know with RNA if you can teach it how how to kill plants, just imagine with us you can teach it, right? Yep. Exactly. People the racist or specific ethnicities, too, right? Yep, I know that that gets a little bit of conspiracy, but it, it, it's true, it's like we're seeing it all over the place now. Well, the problem with conspiracy theories they have a bad habit of becoming that <laughs>
0: right? <laughs>
2: One on one bandwagon. Today, it is my extreme pleasure to welcome Darby Mills to our show. Now, before we do that, I just want to go over some of her experiences. She's the leading rock vocalist in my books of the year and for the last 40 years. She's labeled as the Queen of Scream. Uh, she's a former figure skating. We'll get into that in a minute uh, as, uh, uh, as uh, we go into figure skating. Uh, she's the past lead singer of the group Headspins. She sang backup vocals for Canadian bands in the late 1970s. She was with a British Columbian band called Steelback. Uh, and, uh, we'll get into that as well. Um, so, first of all, how are things in Vernon, Dardy, these days? Welcome to our show. Well, oh, thank you. And things that are are cold, and I'm tired of the cold. I was tired of the cold and snow the first time it happened back in November. So I'm more than ready to have spring.
1: spring. I, I quite agree. Uh, maybe we
2: should fire back Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... We're going to start with, uh, of course, uh, the early days of a young Darby. And uh, first of all, I want to get into uh, your father. He was a huge influence in your life. And uh, that started very young for you. I-, I love the story of you, camping. Uh Now, for our highway freaks out there, we call them freaks, by the way. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Darby? Uh, well, we actually, we weren't We weren't really camping. Uh, I was lucky enough to be born into a family that had invested in a lakefront property in the middle of the uh, Okanagan. And we had to get on a boat to get to the property. So It was relatively private, but my parents and grandparents had managed to get a horse over to the... uh I'm going to call it an island. It's really not, but it's only accessible via water. Uh, And they took an old lock spring from a a bed and coiled and had the horse drag the property uh, on the shoreline and got rid of all the weeds and turned it into a fabulous sandy beachfront for my childhood as well as my cousins and uh, all the rest of the family, basically. There were four cabins in a row that were... And created by my my family generations back. So we would sit at the campfire from the time I was a baby, and uh, my dad was a tenner, and he would serenade us uh, as well as it turned out to be pretty much the whole lake uh, because there was a campsite on the one shore on to the exact on let's say, and then across. The lake was just about a mile wide, or maybe a little less. There were cabins over there as well, and every night there would be bonfires, and you could see the, the bonfires reflecting in the lake on the other side, and my dad would sing, and there would be a pod after he sang from the campfires a mile away. It would just carry you across the water, and I just remember it being such a wonderful experience to be appreciated for something that you were doing with people you didn't even know but they loved it they showed with their applaud and their tears and that was probably the first idea or anything that, 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 that filtered into my my soul i would say because it was not long after that that i knew i would be an entertainer in the entertainment field of some sort from. I'm very, very young. So I, I will credit him for that and his, his fantastic voice. So that, is, that is so cool. Now, when you were just fourteen mm-hmm. years old, you stepped on a high school stage and a young Dark Mills sang, Hearts Crazy On You Um, uh, your performance pretty much sealed your destiny at that point, didn't it? The whole experience did. Uh I was a huge fan of the D Money Adding album, pardon me, and uh was singing to it at home all the time and thinking that, well, my dad was a singer. Uh, that probably means I am. What's <laughs> um, in the family? Well, you know what? It doesn't always, it doesn't always run in the family, but uh, I, I made it so to, uh, to kind of phrase. But anyway, so uh, I was in grade 10, so I think I was probably closer to 16. And uh, I was driving, so yeah, I was at least 16. and. Um, good friends of mine had formed a band in, uh, in the drummer's bedroom. So one day when they were ready to go to a gig, they invited me and a bunch of my girlfriends over to see them play. And they went into Kriya uh, Jammy by Heart. And the drummer was singing it, uh, a male you know, drummer, and I just started giggling in the corner going, ah, like a stupid, stupid, 16-year-old girl went you, and the, the drummer stopped the song. He said, what's your problem? You don't like it. I said, no, I can't sing a girl song. That's just wrong. So he said, okay, you think you can do better? He threw the album cover at me, and it had to bear comment, I do believe. It's is the story I've been telling all this time anyway. And uh, they started the song again. I sang it, and it finished. They had a huddle, and they said, we're playing in 100 miles next weekend. Do you want to come and sing that song there? And I said, absolutely, um, and then freaked out for the next five days, thinking, oh, my God, now i got to do this. Now, I now I need to know the lyrics, and, and went out bought a stage outfit for one song, got in one of the two vehicles that left that next weekend, 400 miles Of course, one of them broke down. It was an old, old, old car, which was carrying the gear. It overheated, actually. It didn't break down. It overheated. So we had to cool over and wait for it to cool down and put some water in they were prepared and continued on our way to 100 miles was a junior high school i think played the one song got off the stage and knew that that's what i was going to be doing for the rest of my life so was that early band called presence uh uh let's type band no i don't uh uh yes actually it was either called presence or cashmere i can't remember because the next band uh, I was in was one that I had formed with a couple of the members from that band and we called it I guess we called it cashmere. So yeah, that first band would have been present and then and then my first band was, was cashmere. Of course we Zeppelin. Right. And I heard you're getting complaints from the neighbors for your uh, insistent sound coming out of your basement. What's that about? Yeah, the bottom end uh, reverberating through the ground and over to the neighbors. So, yeah, they eventually called the police. And I just remember my mom standing at the door with two officers in full regalia. Excuse me, yeah. We have complaints about noise coming from this house, and she said, "Yes, there of fact, there are eight or nine teenagers in our basement. They're not on the street. They're not out robbing, vandalizing. They're not doing anything wrong other than playing in the band and rehearsing in the basement. And they will be done by nine o'clock, as they always are. So I can kick them out, or I can tell them keep going and uh, you let me know." And so they just kind of winked at her and said thank you and left, and um, we kept going. So kudos to mom. young TV, you'd have a call on like that. Like that. I, I quite agree. Now, see, the weird part is you actually, before the, the singing, got into the figure skating. And um, what's that about? How did that come around? Well, that's
1: because that's what you did in the small community
2: 60 years ago. <laughs> you know All right. Yeah, figure skating or you ski, and uh, winter sports is a huge thing growing up in the Okanagan, so, yeah, I started figure skating uh, in grade one, I believe, and continued to skate until I graduated. Great, yeah. right. and uh, one thing was uh, Karen Magnus in school that you were right invited to, is that right? By uh, one particular year, I placed high enough in the standings that uh, my level, I, um, uh, I was on my sixth level at the time, i remember number eight in total. And all the skaters that competed at that level had to go, went into regular competitions. And on this particular competition, the top fifteen, I think, were chosen to go and skate. At the Karen Magnuson. Um, uh, I was at a rink in North Vancouver that Karen Magnuson was, uh, was a member of, and uh, she appeared once or twice while we were there. But we just got to to skate under her coaches and uh, get, get instructed and whatever. I think it was a two week. Oh, that was really cool. Uh, definitely a feather in the cap as a skater, as a young skater, even though uh, at the time I think I might have been fourteen at the time when that happened, and fourteen was already getting old. For high level. So <laughs> I was winding down by then. Right, right. So yes, some great influences, uh by accident you discovered uh Dennis Jopko's uh album Pearl and realized that holy crap, they sound a lot like her. How did that come about? Uh well that, that band that was rehearsing in, in my parents' basement, um, Oh yeah. I had not I didn't know who Janice Joplin was, um, um, coming from a small town, listening to AM radio. They didn't play much Janice Joplin on AM back 60-some odd years ago. Um, and they played and brought a car album on over on one night, And they said, you sound a lot like this chick. I think they called her and they gave me the album. And so I put it on and was like, oh, Okay, so didn't necessarily copy Janice, but there were um, I guess, shapes of Janice in my, in my approach of singing. Uh, so, well, I, I'm sure I have, in the meantime, uh, in, a, in a covering Jonathan Tunes, become more raspy, And then again, I sing very, very hard on one of them not a cure by, by any means i'm a belter, as i would call it so of course that's going to address because it just travels your throat to the point where there's lots of uh if you understand the mechanism of a throat it is just two muscles that collapse they collapse collapsed part me against each other uh, to create your, uh, uh, and when they're slapping or hanging and not just moving against each other, they become, as I call it, leather. And uh, so, yeah, I become a, a leather, a uh, leather larynx. And uh, just, again, because I push so hard, I push so much air. Because you're so swollen, you pretty much have to. Uh, and that just that's an inherent you having a wacky well, sound. And, and, and it makes you so original sounding. You have such range, uh, uh, I am just in awe of, of, of your singing prowess. It's, uh, it's mind boggling. And, uh, you know, I was actually a disc jockey to start with, and then I got into radio when I was 18. And I can remember playing your songs, and I said, God, I'd love to interview that chick. He is so smoking and hot. And um, I, uh, here I am. You know, I that chick when I'm 59 years old. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, we all age, of course. So then, of course, high school's done. You get in the Silver Gremlin, and you're off to Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And then, uh, you know, you'll do a couple stints in Calgary, Edmonton, and, um,. You actually worked uh, for a band that you had fifty people audition for this band, and of all weird things, it was uh, well, I guess to be politically correct, we will call it an African American band. What? How did that come about? Yeah. Well, um, I got a call to go to the audition. I'm not even sure how that happened. And I was living in Calgary, working at a record store, trying to be trying to be in as many bands as possible at the time, which I was. I think I was. In- four or five different bands rehearsing at the time. But, so the call came into Edmonton, and I jumped in my car, drove up to Edmonton, got there, the rehearsals were being held in a club, I believe it was called Lucifer's, went in, sang, um, got a call back going, I, I can't, it's kind of foggy now, but I got a call back saying, the gave you yours. So I went back home to Calgary, and loaded up whatever I had, uh, had an apartment at the time and loaded up whatever I needed to go on the road with. Went back to Edmonton, lived on the couch of the manager and his wife's place for about two weeks while we rehearsed uh, as many songs as we could get done in that time. And then went out on the road, I felt the road was down for, I don't know, a month, two months, three months maybe. And that's when I ran into Steelback in, right. in Um uh, we, we were playing opposite set times, they were in the rock room across the street, we were in the, the dance room, uh playing disco, because these guys were dance disco, and uh, so I'd, I'd run over on the breaks and watched Steelback play rock and roll, which was really where my heart was, and uh, by the end of the two-week stint, we were there, I got the offer to join Steelback, and so I resigned. I gave them a two-week notice, but at that point, they were so upset they had uh, spent two weeks rehearsing me, and then I left. Um, I was too young to know what I had done to them. I told them I'd give them a month, but they're like, yeah, go ahead, just leave. I'm not sure what happened to them. I did run into a couple of the members about eight or nine years ago, so 40 years later. But, uh, so yeah, off to Victoria, I went with Steelback and uh, yeah. Continued to work in what was a fantastic time for live music, which right. was the late 70s and early 80s. Right, right. And I think that band, if I recall, was called Business Before Pleasure. Right, right. it's done really good. Thank you. Couldn't play it, I told you I would, my dear. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But I still can't picture you singing a Ring Like right Bell and not a Summer. I just, I'm trying. I'm trying, but they can't. So you get it a steal back, and then kind of the guys from Chilliwack come called, So, mean, call. see, they the were L- call. yeah, they were in Chilliwack, oh, right, L- but L- not at the time. Chilliwack was recording the um, Gone, Gone, Gone album. I believe that's the album they were recording at the time. And uh, indeed and um with Siegel, the president of Mushroom Records, which they were signed to, uh, unexpectedly and suddenly passed away, which left Mushroom Studio and Mushroom Records in complete disarray. so while everything came to an abrupt halt, um Brian uh the cloud had decided that he still wanted to keep his chops going, so he put a band together with uh, Matt net, the cover for Loverboy, the middle fan, the first uh, original singer from the band, and uh, a client who was in Kilowack at the time. So they went around the clubs in Vancouver for about, I don't know, eight or nine months, as a band called the uh um, waiting for Kilowack's situation to be uh, resolved. Uh, in the meantime, I decided that Denise was not the right mix for the head pins. They had seen me with Steelback. They showed up one night and watched the show. Uh, The next day, Steelback was off to Calgary, and three days later, I get a phone call saying it's Final Cloud. I'm like, wow, you know. uh, if you're looking for Mike, the guitar player, you know Mike. He got the wrong round. He said, No, I'm actually so looking for you. I want to know if you want the job singer you know for the head pins? Take your time and decide. I'll call you the mall. Yeah, that <laughs> did tasted fairly well, being Randy Bachman's first uh, ex wife, right? The first ex wife, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Like, <laughs> Real quick. Uh, uh, it's fine. She had an uh that I kind of knew uh, the song was Tattoo Man, um, but, um, yeah, she just, I mean, you, you would have ask to ask Brian. I, you know what? I do know why she was let like, go, oh, but I won't share uh, that was yeah. I will show so some discretion here, and... um yeah, so I had all of 24 hours to decide if I wanted the job or not, and even though everyone in my community at the time, which I'd been in Steelback for almost a year, was saying that I was crazy stupid for leaving Steelback, which was a uh, popular the cover band, uh, for, for an act that would just drop me when they were back in the studio as up, and then nobody would touch me because I'd left you back. So don't do it, you're stupid. And all I could think about was the opportunity to work with the credible artist that was Brian MacLeod, Um just the opportunity to learn from him um, I would take that chance and it's not I oh, you yeah, truth, I'm really being treated that well, I'm back anyway, so i like, what difference does it make? Threaten me now or threaten me later? So, um, I took the gig, and uh, six months in, because I was in the band, they didn't leave Chilliwack or leave Headpins and go back to Chilliwack, not totally. Uh, songs came out of it. They awesome. ever Wow. And uh, the label that signed Chumlock after Mushroom Records came out and saw the band, saw what Brian was doing one weekend, when they came out to see what Chumlock was doing in the studio, and signed me as, uh, as the representative for the Headpins to Solid Gold Records. So in lieu of the lingo that's been going around lately that um I really didn't have anything to do with the Headpins' success. What? I, wasn't, I wasn't the original, all I can say to that is, they didn't have a deal until I joined the band, and um, you know what, damn it, in my old age, I'm going to put credit where credit is due, I believe that I have participated in giving a stamp to the Hickpins that was not there until I
1: joined the band. You do that
2: so. girl, uh-huh. you do that, yes. so, so you come up with
1: this monster awesome novel. I'll turn it loud. It goes double platinum. It okay,
2: tops the charts for six weeks. You sell 600,000 copies in Canada. I believe you hit a million in the world. Okay, it's on the hit single. Don't make you feel? Your follow-up album, was line of fire produced. Uh, the hit such a celebration in just one more time. Am I, am I hitting a 100% so far? Yeah, ding on. You got it. Okay. So. And you tour Europe. And boy do you tour Europe. You get banners such as KISS, Whitesnake, Top, Eddie Money, Aerosmith. The list goes on and on. Um, what was that like being I think you what, twenty one at the time? Uh well all those bands happened over the five years that the original Headpins uh, existed. So, the Whitesnake tour happened in 84. Uh, the KISS tour happened, yeah, I was 22 when we toured with KISS. Um, and, and Brian and Ab weren't even there when we toured with them. We were, they were back in the studio with Killiwack. Uh Eventually, they, they saw that the Headpins were doing so well that they left Chilliwack and, and came back to the Headpins full time. But, um, yeah, that's when I first met Gene and uh, got a chance to talk with Gene a little bit. And uh, he's, a, uh, he's a crazy guy, that Gene, Gene guy. But, uh, yeah, I was done with the head dentist, uh, shortly after my 25th birthday. That's when it all came to 25, 25th, 26th, 28th, 1985 was um, New Year's Eve was my last show. With the, oh, with the original version, uh-huh. I don't want to out of ourselves, but when you're touring, know, I just imagine you on those limousines, and you know there's a song by Nazareth that's called uh, Telegram. It's a Fantastic song, I'm sure you've heard it. I it kind know. of it kind of takes, uh, the life of uh, you know of a rock you know, and roll singer, and I'm sure you were experiencing all of that as uh, a song. Do you have any old stories at that time that you can share with our Greeks? I do and now I can't. <laughs> um, uh a love story. Um uh, I've told this one um uh, many times, uh, as far as Jean uh, goes. they were still wearing makeup when we were on tour with them. I think it was the next year that they took off their makeup, so um in high school, all those guys that I was uh, in, in that very first band with or hung with were all KISS bands. I didn't quite really get it. I don't, really, I don't understand. I don't get it. But uh, no, I, my male buddies sure did. So I remember being so excited that I was sitting at the dinner table in the arenas and that. And that seems that we were playing opening for them at the, uh, at the front table with Jean and Paul and no makeup on. And I'm like, oh, and my bud, my buds is gonna when I tell them that this is what's happening. You know, uh, here I am. It was very cool. So, uh, yeah, totally 21, 22 years old being in that situation. And, uh, one particular night, I think it was the Ottawa, maybe, or or Montreal. I remember we're ready to go. House lights go down. We've got the five minute call. We're being uh, led backstage up the stairs. We're uh, standing behind the curtains, and I just hear this voice coming from way above my head. Hello. And I'm like, who is that? And I'm looking around, and I look up, and it's Jean. I can't even remember if he had his makeup on. It was that dark. And, uh, He said, so, what do you listen to? And the only thing that came to mind on that night, whether it was on purpose or not, I'm not sure if I was trying to impress him or maybe trip him up. I said, Marshall Tucker. And the look on his face, uh, and I still can't remember was wearing his makeup, but I just saw this look of, what? And he went, gotta go. And I walked away. I think I was trying to joke with them, actually, um, because even though I was at the time a huge Marshall Pucker fan, or at least when I moved to Calgary and I was working many jobs in, in many bands, uh, I listened to the Marshall Pucker albums uh, every day, as well as like McDonald and, and, and Lake and, and a few crazy, weird uh Bands, but that's that's the, the name that came to mind, and in in one way I'm glad I did because about six seven years later, um, a band that I've toured with a lot, a Canadian band that a lot, was over in in Europe touring. with, with Kiss, or at least they crossed paths with her. And he said to their singer, you, know, you know that that band, you know that that Barbie girl." So he remembered me. I'm pretty sure it was because I. Twisted his brain a little bit with uh, with the Mar- Marshall Tucker comment. So it all worked out to be a good thing. And sang uh, on stage with only what three, four years ago, it was a year before COVID, so four years ago uh, at a festival here. It was called Canifest here in in BC in uh, Grand Forks. And the uh, man that was putting on the festival said, "He you know, always had somebody come up on stage, but you got to wear face paint." He got to wear his makeup, and um, I'm like, wow, I don't know, and I'm like, you know what, what the hell, I'm going to go and uh, give Gene the gears, because um, uh, I ran into him uh, again, opening for Nazareth, as a matter of fact, in Vancouver, they, they just doing a signing session at Tommy Music on the on main street in Vancouver, and did you, excuse me, did you put on a star face, like, you know, with the makeup? Well, there's, that's the rest of the story. Uh, so I, that call came 24 hours before I was supposed to hit the stage with them. So I'm looking out going, where am I going to find black makeup? And do I really want to put black makeup on my face? No, I don't. I don't have the secrets that they do so that the makeup doesn't sink into your skin. I'm not going to be scarred for four minutes on stage, you would not like, what, 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 what? So, my answer, or uh, what's the word I'm trying to find, my solution, was black gas tape. So, I jumped in the car, uh, I'm listening to the song, I Was Made For Loving You, nonstop stop in my head, on my phone, in the car, uh, I had a girlfriend, Kyler, came with me, and, uh, So we get there, of course it's a secret, they don't want anybody to know who the special guest is, so they hide me in a trailer, I'm sitting in there for three hours, waiting, waiting for my turn to get up on stage, and it's finally dark, and all the backstage people are cleared out, and it's time for Gene to go on stage, and I knew I was an hour into the set, so I kind of cruised backstage a little bit and was watching the show, uh, or actually, they haven't—they had not gone on stage yet. So I was hiding backstage in the green room, and Gene came out, and I'm like, "Hey, Gene, how you doing? It's Starby. And he said, "Yeah," because he remembered me from this incident that I was going to tell you about at the Ptolemy music store. Uh, and it's not from the past. And uh, he says, "Oh, it is you." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting up." And he says, "No face paint. You're not getting up." And I'm like, I have a plan, and he's like, you there, and you walked away. And I'm like, you're such a, you such a guy. <laughs> so I go running back to the dressing room, and of course it's like 110 degrees out, or to the where they had me, hidden where my space gloves were, and the gas tape that I had cut out in the shape of James' face paint, and took it off the plastic sheet, put it on my face, and because it was so hot, it wouldn't stick so i'm freaking i'm going he's gonna he's he's to keep me off the stage and chuck's gonna be very upset He set this up what the hell am i gonna do so um, i ran to the lady annette who ran the backstage and i said annette i'm in big trouble he has insisted i wear face paint i've got this tape but it's too hot i'm sweating i can't get it to stick on my face he said, I think my daughter might have eyelash glue, and I went, I'll try anything. So she went and found her. She had eyelash glue, so I glued the gas tape on my face. And we on stage um, where she had already explained how his daughter named their dog Darby. Just as a side note. Um, okay. Yeah. I knew that from the show, uh, Family Jewels. I knew that Sophie had called her dog Darby, which I thought was pretty cool.
1: Anyway,
2: um so get on the stage, I walk right up to Gene and I'm tearing his face and I'm like, How's this? And he just starts laughing right, like, Oh my god and I'm like, I know, it's glued on you and I called him a nasty name and he just kept laughing, All right? So we did the song, finished it, left, walked off the stage, got a chance to meet him after again. He's a guy, he's a guy, and uh, so that, that's, that's the king story from Canifest. I love that, I love that. I was going to get into Canifest uh, a little earlier, what it means to you and what it's about, uh, uh, which, which we'll certainly do. Okay, so coming up on part two on Highway Freaks, Barbie Mills will talk about how she got fired from the pin.